Hello and welcome to Cocoa Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. My name is Dr. Bola Sogadi. I'm a women's health specialist. Today, we are fortunate to have with us Brianna. Brianna is an exercise physiologist in the Middle Georgia area. Good morning, Brianna. Good morning, Dr. Shigati. Thank you for coming. You have a bachelor's in clinical exercise physiology from the University of Tennessee. You're a certified cardiac rehabilitation professional from the American Association of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Rehabilitation. You are a current member of this professional body. You also have an exercise in medicine level two certification by the American College of Sports Medicine. And you are a member of Clinical Exercise Physiology Association, which is the clinical arm of the American College of Sports Medicine. You currently work as a cardiac rehabilitation director for GACRI, Georgia Arrhythmia Consultant and Research Institute, and you are the executive director of the Georgia Arrhythmia Foundation, a foundation that is in its 12th year organizing the SCARE race, and we'll talk about that soon. You also serve as a health and wellness coach for this upcoming Heart Smart Tech company. You have been involved in utilizing exercise as a therapeutic modality for health and wellness for well over 20 years. And most importantly, you are a mother of two and you love to stay active in any way you can. Really, Brianna, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. What is this CARE event? I know it's an acronym for something. Can you tell us about it? I can, yes. So the Georgia Arrhythmia Foundation is a foundation that is dedicated to decreasing death and disability from sudden cardiac arrest. We host a once a year SCARE 5K that is our main fundraiser for the foundation. The SCARE 5K SCARE is an acronym. It stands for Sudden Cardiac Arrest Research and Education, which kind of goes into our mission for what we do with the foundation. All of the money raised goes directly back into our community by way of donating AEDs, which is an automated external defibrillator, trying to increase the density of AEDs available in our area. And the other part of what we do is teach CPR. We teach CPR into the community to just about anybody that'll let us teach it to them. Our goal is to try to teach all high school and college students by the time they get out so they have this life skill that they can use into the future. Cardiac arrest, unfortunately, happens most of the time, 80% of the time, out of the hospital, and the chance of survival is very low. For every minute after someone collapses from cardiac arrest, their chance of survival decreases by 10%. And so it's very important that bystanders and, and average citizens know CPR and how to use an AED because we become the first responders. We don't think of ourselves as first responders. We think of the paramedics and the firemen and our police. But at the end of the day, if we recognize someone collapsed from cardiac arrest, we become the first responders and can mean life or death by our actions for them. Wow. Wow. So you're saying that, you know, for the lay people out there listening, if you witness somebody going down from like a cardiac arrest, a heart attack, it's good that you have cardiopulmonary resuscitation skills, CPR skills, so that you can pump on that person's chest and maybe breathe for them and help save their lives. 
Yes. And they've actually made it a little bit easier. If you don't work in healthcare and you're just an average community citizen, a lay person, all they want you to do is what's called hands-only CPR. That's the pumping on the chest. The idea is to pump hard and fast for as long as you can. And if there's someone around that can help you and you notice you're getting fatigued, then you can let them take over for you. They no longer want the lay person to do the breathing. The pumping on the chest is the most important. Obviously, you want to call 911 first and get your healthcare professionals on the way. You want to start your hands-only CPR. And the third thing is if there's an AED in the area, you want to send someone to get it. That AED is a box with a computer inside that when you attach the pads to the person, it's going to recognize their heart rhythm. If they're in a rhythm that needs a shock, it will deliver the shock. You can't hurt the person by putting an AED on them and turning it on. It will only give a shock to someone who needs it. So it's actually designed for the average lay person to use in addition to healthcare professionals. That's why we're trying to get them into the community and get the word out on how to use them and and the fact that they're so easy to use. Well, you've been in the news. Uh, You guys have donated a lot of AEDs to several facilities locally. And you guys actually have stories of lives saved from the AEDs you donated through your foundation. Can you tell us about that? Sure. We've donated in the past 12 years more than 60 AEDs into the middle Georgia area, thousands of people we've taught CPR to. One of our most recent successes, we were teaching at a local college, and our partnership with the college was to teach all of their student athletes, their coaches, and all of their staff within the athletics department CPR. So it took us about six months to get all of the sports teams, their staff, their coaches, everyone CPR trained. And unfortunately, approximately three or four months after we trained their entire athletics department, one of their basketball players collapsed at practice. It was wonderful that happened at practice because his whole team was aware of what was going on. They quickly started hands-only CPR. A staff member went to an adjacent building to get an AED, brought it back between the CPR and the AED. They had the young man awake and alert before the paramedics even got there. And he survived and and, and is walking around today because of their quick action. So one of the things we really like to emphasize is that bystanders with the knowledge and confidence to act can and will save lives. Wow. So November 6th, this Saturday, and you try to do the run around October, hence the acronym SCARE for all the festivities around October. So it's coming this Saturday, coming up at... At 9 a.m. At 9 a.m. At Amerson River Park. You can still register online if you would like to be a part of it. You go to www.scare5k.com and there's a registration link there, as well as if you know of any needing organization within the community that could benefit from having AED, there's also our grants and donations tab. And you can go to that tab and submit a request. And our board goes through those requests when we select the recipients for the donations, for the AED donations every year. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. That is so great. Thank you for all what you guys do in the community. Thank you. Now, physical inactivity is the fourth leading cause of early death worldwide. Number four, if you're inactive, this can lead you to die early worldwide. How have you been utilizing exercise as a therapeutic modality for health and wellness? That's a great comment, a great question. Let me start by saying when we talk about exercise, most people think 
exercise and weight loss. And although, yes, that's part of exercise, there's such a bigger component to exercise that has to do with our health and wellness. Exercise is something that can be used to benefit, prevent, or treat so many different chronic conditions. So part of what I do in the cardiac rehab is I work with cardiac patients after They have a cardiac event, a heart attack, stent placement, bypass surgery, and then we work with them before and after transplant to try to build up their strength and endurance as well as benefit their heart muscle. In addition to cardiac benefits, there are benefits across our entire body system. It includes your heart, your lungs, your brain, your ability to sleep better, decrease depression, benefits in preventing cancer, and not to mention benefits when you're pregnant. So there's actually a difference between physical activity and exercise. Do you want to tell us what these subtle differences might be? Definitely. So this is the one that tricks up a lot of people. Physical activity is really defined as anytime our bodies are in motion. This can include things like our housework, yard work, playing with the kids, or even physical activity within your occupation. Now, exercise is defined a little bit differently. It's a planned activity that includes rhythmic motion on continuous basis. So what that really means... Planned activity, it can be whatever type of movement activity you want, whether it's walking or cycling or swimming or aerobics or dancing. Rhythmic activity is when our muscles move in a pattern and repetitive. And so that means they're going to continue to move in that rhythmic motion back and forth, back and forth. So if you think about walking, your legs are moving back and forth in a rhythmic motion. Same thing with swimming or dancing or cycling. You've got that rhythmic motion going for all of your muscle groups that are working. So that's the type of activity that will actually give you the health benefits. Now, Usually when you prescribe exercise for people, you're prescribing it most days of the week. A lot of people kind of get leery of most days. They tell me how busy they are and how out of shape they are and they can't do it. But what you're really looking at is trying to get this exercise to be done three to five days a week and just being physically active on the other days of the week that they're not actually performing a scheduled planned exercise. Wow. Wow. I needed to hear that because, you know, that's important. So as a health and wellness coach, what could you say to a healthy lifestyle in a woman contemplating pregnancy, for instance? Yeah. So when you're contemplating pregnancy, it's a great time to start thinking about your body is the vessel that's going to be making and growing this baby. So what can we do to be as healthy as possible? There's three main things that I like to focus on. One is starting or continuing an exercise program. And I'll elaborate on that in a minute. The second is watching your nutrition, just trying to eat a healthy nutrition and managing your weight. And then the third one is just um, absence of smoking. You know, there's lots of studies out there that smoking can have negative consequences on many things, including pregnancy. So it's a good time to focus on those types of activities. The exercise part of it, if you haven't started exercising, start nice and light and get into the groove before you become pregnant and start having some fatigue or some things that go along with that that make it a little bit more challenging. So before you become pregnant or while you're contemplating it, it's just a really great time to start these healthy 
activities. It's a repetition thing. Once we get into habits, they become so much easier to do. Wow. Wow. And so with pregnancy, there's some peculiar issues with pregnancy because like you said, to grow a baby, the body undergoes some anatomic and physiologic changes. And one of the most distinct changes is that, you know, there's weight gain as the baby is growing and there's a shift in the point of gravity, the center of gravity, as the woman's stomach pushes forward. We call it a progressive lordosis. So these changes can lead to increase in the forces across the joints and the spine, you know, during weight-bearing exercises. So because of this, a lot of pregnant women have low back pain. So definitely, I think exercise would be one of the non-medication ways to manage this condition. Correct. We like to call it therapeutic lifestyle changes. It's a non-medication way to manage different types of health conditions. And you nailed it. The the body weight changes put a pregnant woman a little bit off balance. So definitely when they're exercising, they need to be aware of their balance. That's why if we someone loves to ride a bike, we don't necessarily recommend they ride a bike down the street once they get to a certain gestational size. We recommend they ride a stationary cycle just because their balance isn't quite what it used to be and what they're used to. It can definitely jump up and grab any of us at at different times. And the low back pain, about 60% of women complain of low back pain. And it's probably higher than that because a lot of them probably just don't complain of it when they come to their healthcare providers. I know I never mentioned it to my doctor, but it was definitely something I felt every day. I just figured it was normal and, you know, wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to address. So it's definitely a huge issue. Now, low back pain can be mitigated slightly during pregnancy with stretching and strengthening of both our hamstrings and back muscles, as well as just staying active and, and maintaining that active lifestyle. Wow. And so you talked about some of the exercises that the pregnant woman can do. You kind of talked about walking, you talked about stationary cycling, you know, are there some other exercises that, you know, pregnant women can just do? Definitely. So when you're prescribing exercises for pregnant women, definitely you want to make sure that they have established care with their OBGYN first. And everything I'm mentioning is for a healthy pregnancy. If there's any complications, that's definitely a conversation to be had with their healthcare professionals. But any healthy pregnancy, you can walking, stationary cycling, any type of aerobic exercises. There's lots of YouTube videos out there right now. You don't have to join a gym. You can just jump on your computer and do it in your living room. There's lots of options. Dancing, water aerobics is fantastic exercise and it's easy on the joints. Resistance exercise is like weightlifting. Typically, you want to keep your weights lower and your reps lower. You can use resistance bands are really inexpensive and easy to find in most sports stores and resistance bands. You can just go through your range of motion to get some, some slight, you can just go through the range of motions to get some slight increase in the resistance training that you do with those bands. Now, stretching is really, really important. Stretching is important across the board all the time, but particularly if you're carrying that extra load in the front, everything's going to start getting tight, particularly in your back. So stretching your hamstrings is really good at 
um, up your low back pain. Obviously, if you're not pregnant and you're stretching your hamstrings, you might just bend over, kind of reach your toes with your legs straight or spread. When you're pregnant, that can get a little bit more challenging with the belly. So one of the easiest ways to do it is when you're sitting in your bed or on a couch, get a towel. And what you're going to do is you're going to hold that towel with your feet out in front of you. The towel's going to wrap around your toes. You're going to be sitting up straight and you're just going to be pulling those toes and pulling yourself in towards your toes to a comfortable point. But the towel is going to add that extra force that you may not be able to get by bending forward. And that stretching is just going to help with that low back pain. Wow. Wow. Thank you. And then I know that for pregnant women, after five months of pregnancy, we don't want them to exercise laying on their backs. Correct. Yes. So obviously, if you think about it, when you're laying on your back, all of the weight from that baby and everything that accompanies it is puts that pressure right on your abdomen. So we have some big blood vessels that go through there. So if you lay on your back, it can kind of hinder the blood flow. And if you hinder the blood flow, it can cause hypotension, which is where your blood pressure drops. And so we definitely don't want you laying on your back for any prolonged period of time and definitely not with exercise if it's something we can do a modification and, you know, exercise in a different way. Wow, wow. So there are definitely benefits to exercising in general and specifically in pregnancy. I know that people that exercise from studies from the American College of OBGYN, there's a higher incidence of vaginal delivery. There's a lower incidence of gestational, that is pregnancy weight gain, lower incidence of pregnancy diabetes, lower incidence of pregnancy hypertension, lower incidence of preterm birth. These are studies from the American College of OBGYN, a lower incidence of cesarean birth and a lower incidence of lower birth weight babies. So what what are all the other general benefits of exercise? And I know you've alluded to some of these before. There's so many benefits to exercise. You know, the obvious as far as your muscle tone, you're going to maintain your muscle tone during pregnancy. You're probably not going to be building a lot of muscle tone, but you can definitely maintain what you have. There are benefits that come when it comes to decrease in depression and depression disorders, particularly in the postpartum period after pregnancy. There's decrease in your postpartum recovery time, and there's decrease in just general body pain. Those are just some things that are particular to a pregnancy patient, in addition to non-pregnant patients, it's going to benefit every body system you have. I kind of mentioned the sleep, your heart, your lungs, your brain, decreasing incidences of cancer. It increases just your, your brain health. So there's so many benefits. It includes all your body systems and and too many to mention right now. But particularly, like you mentioned, there's some amazing stats when it comes to delivery, vaginal delivery, and decreasing a lot of the main complications that come with pregnancy. Wow, thank you. Now, I want us to talk about your career, your training. You know, like if you were going to just encourage a person that is thinking about following this career path, or if you were going to advise the younger you, I mean, what, what does it involve to become, I mean, what you are right now? Well, to start, just kind of give you a little background. I, you know, I was a soccer player my whole life. I was very active. I just love to do anything active. I still do. And so when I was going to college, I was, you know, definitely interested in the healthcare field. I'm just kind of trying to feel it out. wasn't really sure what I wanted to do exactly. 
And I kind of fell into, honestly, I was looking at physical therapy. And in order to get into physical therapy, at that time, it was a master's degree. Now it's a doctorate. But I had to do my bachelor's in exercise physiology. So I was like, got into that, started exploring it a little bit. And exercise physiology is a really neat degree. It's kind of a hybrid degree between the School of Health and Human Performance and the School of Nursing. So what it gives you is a really good background in the physiological ways in which our body works. So it breaks down into how your muscles contract and it breaks down into all the different organ systems and how they relate to physical activity. And then you get the school of nursing side. So you have a great background in anatomy and physiology, a great background in pharmacology and those types of classes that really give you the well-rounded look at the human body. From there, you move on into some, some practicums in which you just get some experience doing exercise prescriptions. When it comes to exercise prescriptions, of course, there's your generalized exercise prescription for the average American, which right now they're recommending 150 minutes of aerobic activity per week. Obviously, they want that spaced out over as many days as possible. And 150 might seem kind of like a lot, but really, if you break it down into 30 minutes a day, that's five days a week of exercise, and then you can do two days of your physical activity, and you've got seven days a week of being active. Those same recommendations are very similar for pregnant women. The 150 minutes per week is there for you for pregnant women. Obviously, there's the few modifications that we mentioned earlier. In addition to learning exercise prescriptions, you learn across the board all different types of people have different types of health conditions and different ways to modify for those types of things. So it's really a lot of learning on the job, a lot of research as far as, you know, what types of physiologic changes come with different chronic conditions and how we can benefit those. So when I fell into it, I really fell in love with it. And I didn't go into physical therapy school. Honestly, I didn't go to physical therapy school because I started coaching soccer collegiately and really love that too. And I, I followed that path for a few years. And, and when I was getting married. I didn't want to travel nearly as much. So I fell back into the the clinical exercise physiology aspect of it. I've worked with various hospitals in the community in their cardiac and pulmonary rehabs. And it's been amazing because you get a lot of different types of patients. So lately I've been working at a private practice cardiac rehab at Georgia Arrhythmia Consultants. And it is a wonderful opportunity to get a different variety of patients. I have wonderful support from the doctors who give me a great care plan and I get to execute it. And so it really is is warming to the heart to work with these patients and see them come from where they're struggling just to walk into their doctor's appointments to where they are dancing into rehab and able to do all their activities of daily living and things they want to do in life. Wow, that is so powerful, so powerful. And you recently won an award from California. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> sure. Um, the award is more with the foundation work for SCARE and the Georgia Arrhythmia Foundation. It is the 2021 class of 40 under 40, which is 40 people under 40 who are making a change and impacting sudden cardiac arrest outcomes. So I will be out in California. Um, it's with the Citizen CPR Foundation in December receiving that award. Cardiac arrest is one of those things that it takes the life of one young athlete in the United States every day. And so young athlete, you know, we, we think about heart disease as 
older populations or middle-aged populations, but cardiac arrest doesn't discriminate based on age. It takes our young just like it takes our old. And so we're trying to be able to find a way to detect certain genetic conditions earlier and earlier so that we can prevent these cardiac arrests. Wow, wow, this is great. So, you know, just going back to our pregnant patients, you know, you know, at times, you know, just dealing with the hormones of pregnancy, the tiredness of pregnancy, probably having other children to have to take care of. And here comes this exercise woman recommending exercise program. How do you even begin recommending an exercise program to somebody? So that's a great question. It is so overwhelming to be a mom or be a pregnant woman thinking about being a mom. There's so much on our minds while we're pregnant and in life in general. And so what we've got to focus on is realize that if we don't take care of ourselves, we won't be the best version of ourselves for our kids and our families. So it's really important to take a small part of your time and really focus on yourself and provide that opportunity to make the healthiest version of you. Now, as far as me, when I was exercising with my first pregnancy, it's a little bit easier because you don't have other kids running around that need you. And so I was able to find those times after work and, and on the weekends. But with my second, it became more challenging because now I had a three-year-old who needed me every moment I was around and that she saw me. And, you know, of course, a husband who, who who needed some things too and, you know, wanted me still to keep the house and make dinner and, you know, still work a full-time job, you know, so it gets very challenging. And what I learned, and I don't love every minute of it, but I learned I've got to find the moments in time that I can step away from being a mom and focus on me. Now, right now, both my kids, they're seven and, and 11. And so I step away at 4.30 to 6 o'clock in the morning. I don't love waking up that early, but they're asleep at that time, and so is my husband. So it's my time to focus on me. So I had to find a way to carve out that time. So I tell everyone, you know, as they're starting this journey, figure out a time to carve out this time for you and then start nice and easy. Don't expect yourself to do what the person next to you is doing or even don't expect yourself to meet all of the guidelines when you first start. Sometimes we got to start small and those small baby steps build into bigger accomplishments. So if the recommendations are exercising three to five times a week, trying to get 150 minutes per week, you may not be able to exercise 30 minutes right out of the gate. Start with a little five minute walk up and back in your driveway or around your house if it's hot outside, you know, stay in the air condition and then build those five minute walks, maybe one in the morning, one in the afternoon into seven minute walks and your seven minute walks build into 10 minute walks and slowly you're gonna build it into the recommendation. And we just have to be nice to ourselves and understand where we're at now and understand our goals and keep working hard to get there. 